Let's turn to our Bibles to Matthew. I'm sorry, to we'll turn to our Bibles to Luke five. Luke five. We'll start reading at verse seventeen. But before we begin reading, I want to remind you that this is not the words of men. These are the words of God given to the prophets through the power of the Holy Spirit, and thereby we should listen carefully and also give heed and honor God's word. So if you're able, let's stand together as we read Luke 5, starting at verse 17. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke 5, 17. One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, Get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. So they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, we have seen remarkable things today. Let's pray together. Our glorious God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would work mightily in us to help us to believe and receive this, your glorious, infallible, holy word. And we ask, glorious Lord, that you would help me to preach this text in a way that is pleasing in your sight and faithful. And we ask that you would bring us, along with the saints of old, to glorify you, to fear you, And as we witness these remarkable things shown through the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, where we ask these things all in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Sometimes it's not good enough to tell people your identity. How would this work? I'm going to go check in to fly to Florida for Presbyterian, and I tell the guys at the security check-in, my name is Kevin Olivier. Um, they say, oh, that's great. Let me see your ID. Oh, I, I forgot my ID at home. Um, I'm sorry, but you're not going to fly today. Um, there are times in life, if you tell people your identity, you have to show proof. To a large degree, that's what we find in today's text. Jesus reveals his identity in this text. 
but also offers proof of who he truly was. In Luke 5, at this point in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, as we have been going through this uh, wonderful Gospel, Jesus Christ continues to grow in popularity. Uh, people continue to spread word about him, um, about his authority and teaching, but also concerning his many miracles and healing many and casting out demons. In uh, verse 17, we have a result of this growing popularity. It says, One day he was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. Notice, it's not just the common folk, but now we have the leadership of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teacher of the law. Uh, They were all coming to hear Jesus because they heard of the mighty works of Jesus Christ. Now, it doesn't say uh, in in this particular text, but I do believe that if we look carefully at verse 17 again, there's something missing that you might not have noticed before. After those men got there, I believe they witnessed healings already before the healing of the paralytic. It says in verse 17, the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. I think that was demonstrated to them. They had already seen some of what Jesus was doing. So he was teaching and preaching, but he was also healing at that time. Uh, Word had spread to the paralyzed man, and then later on his friends help him along with going to see Jesus. As we look at today's text, the main focus is that you are to put your faith in Jesus, who has both divine power and authority. Divine, you could say divine authority and power. We'll look at this in two main points. Uh, First is the divine authority of Jesus, and secondly, the divine power of Jesus. Let's look at this first main point. The divine authority of Jesus Verses 18 through 21. And some men were carrying on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and set him down in front of him, but not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd. They went up on the roof and led him down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Maybe you've tried to see someone in a very, very crowded place. And one way to see them might be to just wait for the crowd to clear and wait for them to come out or maybe wait for a clearing and then you can go in. But these men and this paralyzed man and his friends felt as though they had an urgent need. And I believe we have a clue prior in the Gospel of Luke why there was an urgent need. I want us to look back at, um, keep your place in in chapter 5, but look back at Luke 4.40 and following. This is an occasion where Jesus is pulling an all-nighter healing session and also delivering many from demons, starting at verse 40 of chapter 4. While the sun was setting, all those who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Demons also were coming out of many, shouting, 
You are the Son of God. But rebuking them, he would not allow them to speak because they knew him to be the Christ. When day came, Jesus left and went to a secluded place, and the crowds were searching for him and came to him and tried to keep him from going away from them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for I was sent for this purpose. So he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Um, on this prior occasion, there was only so much Jesus was willing to do as far as healing and delivering people. After all, um, he began at the setting of the sun and continued until the daybreak. And I mean, how much? I mean, how much can you expect him to do? Like three days straight, you know? Uh, but also, Jesus gives the reason. His reason really is not because he was tired, but his reason was, he said, I must go and preach the gospel elsewhere. Now, imagine the the paralyzed man and his friends saying, we've heard of Jesus. He went to the region of Galilee. He healed many, hundreds of people, or whatever the number was. He delivered many. But my friends, some of my friends went to see him and they, they missed out because he left. So if you, if you see that there's only so much Jesus would be willing to do at one particular time, there might be individuals who are fearing that they're going to miss out. This paralyzed man is fearing that he's going to miss out on the healing of Jesus Christ. So therefore, they're, they're saying, well, let's go in there. I've got to get in there now. Do whatever it takes to get me in that house and get, get me before Jesus. So they go through a very elaborate plan. Um, So instead of waiting for hours for the crowd to clear, they climb up on the roof of the house. I don't know how difficult it was to get a man on a a stretcher on top of the roof of the house, but they climb up on top of the house and they have to let him down through the roof to see Jesus. Um, I want us to look a little bit at this extensive process for these friends to do this. First, they had to remove some tiles from the roof. Now, I'm always wondered about, well, what, doesn't the homeowner mind? But, I, you know, it could have been a rental property. You know, rental properties, you can do what you want sometimes, right? You might have to pay a little deposit. But, well, anyway, but this particular situation, we don't know why. You think that maybe somebody would say, hey, you can't rip up my house. But these guys took the tiles off the roof, and then they have to let the man down on a stretcher. Now, you kids, if you don't know what a stretcher is... A stretcher is basically like a, a wooden frame, the length of a man's body or a little bit longer, and it has handles to carry someone, and you have padding or bedding on top of the stretcher. And that's what they used to carry this man around, but then when they got him on the roof, they're going to lower him down. Now, there's more than one way to uh, lower a man on a stretcher, but in my opinion, probably the best way would have been to, if they had four guys or even two guys, they could have tied a rope uh, four pieces of rope, one on each corner, and let him down slowly so he didn't flip off into, onto the floor. It was a big ordeal to let this man down to the roof safely in front of Jesus. It's an, it's, uh, it would be an amazing sight to see Jesus in the midst of a large crowd. And here comes a guy descending on a on a. On a makeshift bed with padding let down by ropes 
It's an amazing thought. But then he gets in front of Jesus. Jesus was impressed with this demonstrate this demonstration of effort and ingenuity. Beginning at verse 20, he says, Seeing their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. Well, well, let's stop there for a little bit. What does Jesus mean when, or what does the Word of God mean when it says Jesus saw their faith? Um, a possible interpretation could be that Jesus Christ saw that this that these men had a sincere saving faith in a supernatural fashion, or he saw the demonstration of their faith in all of the trouble that they went through. And, I mean, God will tell us one of these days, but for sure he saw the demonstration of the effort and, and the trial and difficulty they went through because they had a faith that Jesus was able to heal. And that's an important lesson for us regarding determination. If you have a faith that is rooted in Christ, firmly set in Christ, you are willing to demonstrate a great degree of determination in how you live. I've known of uh, some Christians with a steadfast endeavor never to, to get a job or move to a location where there's not a faithful Bible-preaching church. I've known others, personally, who are willing to drive over an hour and a half because that's where they feel that they can find a faithful Bible-preaching church. That's determination. And God sees that. And God sees that not as a, as a saving work, but it's a fruit of a lively faith. So seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. That's a bold statement on the part of Jesus Christ, knowing that the scribes and Pharisees are there. And the scribes and Pharisees are partly right in their conclusion, which follows, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were wrong about Jesus speaking blasphemies because they didn't know who he was. But they were right in saying, who can forgive sins but God alone? They didn't realize who they were dealing with. They didn't realize that the man teaching and the man healing in their midst was the God-man, God who put on flesh Jesus Christ in their midst. And as much as the scribes and Pharisees studied the law of God, they didn't study the prophecies concerning the Messiah well enough. Just in one prophecy concerning Isaiah, we're told that the promised Messiah would be born of a virgin in chapter 7, and his name would be Emmanuel, God with us. So the Messiah to come would be God. Isaiah 9, 6 says that the child to be born, the son that was going to be given, would be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. And yes, as so, he had divine authority to proclaim the forgiveness of sins. Let's look next at the divine power of Jesus. There are two things in today's text that demonstrate the divine power of Jesus. And the first is his 
power, his ability to know the thoughts of men. Look at verses 21 through 22 again. The scribes and Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But Jesus, aware of their reasonings, answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Jesus knew what men were thinking, just as the Father knows what all men are thinking, all men at all times. And Jesus knew what men were thinking, and Jesus knows what you are thinking. He knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows your intents. He knows you better than you know yourself. And that is something that proves that Jesus Christ, the Messiah in this particular text, is not just a man, but the God-man. Even the Old Testament prophets who performed miracles, who performed healing, they were not able to, to understand and perceive the thoughts of men. But Jesus was, the God-man was. Those present there were probably not likely very aware of what was going on. Maybe they thought that Jesus had a very good guess, or maybe it just went totally over their heads. But it, this, as we read it, is revealed to us, and Luke wanted us to know this detail, that Jesus Christ has the, the power to understand the very thoughts of men, something unlike anyone else in all of Scripture. A second demonstration of Christ's divine power is his healing of this paralyzed man. Look at verses 23 through 24. Which is easier to say, your sins have been forgiven you, or to say, get up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, get up and pick up your stretcher and go home. Immediately he got up before them and picked up what had been, he'd been lying on and went home, glorifying God. Now before we look at this wonderful, glorious miracle, I want us to pay attention to this title that Jesus adopted for himself here in verse 24, Son of Man. If you read the prophets, and especially if you read certain prophecies, like I think it's Ezekiel, you find Son of Man repeated very often in the prophecies. God addresses the prophet as Son of Man. But I believe what Jesus has in mind here, when he calls himself the Son of Man, he has in mind passages such as Daniel 7. Keep your place in Luke 5, but let's turn to Daniel 7. Daniel 7, starting at verse 13. This is a vision that Daniel received concerning the coming Messiah. Daniel seven thirteen. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed." 
That's who Jesus saying is saying he is. He is the fulfillment of Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Now, the elect saints in the New Testament were looking for the Messiah. And um, one such person in the New Testament, not the Old Testament, but the New Testament was John the Baptist. Now, as great as John the Baptist was, there was none like him among men ever. But even John the Baptist had doubts concerning Jesus Christ. He baptized Jesus himself, and then after Jesus came out of the water, he heard the voice of the Father, he saw the Holy Spirit descend upon him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. I believe John sincerely knew that Christ was the Messiah. But later on, when he was languishing in prison, he had doubts. Let's look at Matthew 11. Matthew 11 Uh, We'll start at verse 1. When Jesus had finished giving instruction to his twelve disciples, he departed from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John, while in prison, heard the works of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the expected one, or shall we look for someone else? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. If you had prepared a great deal of your life for the coming Messiah, and you're in the desert eating honey and wild locusts, waiting for the revealing of the Messiah, and then you're expecting this great revelation and this great kingdom coming, and then what happens to you? Well, I don't see the kingdom. I'm in a jail cell looking at four walls, I, you can understand him wondering, well, is Jesus, really, is Jesus really the one, the expected one, the Son of Man, the Messiah, the promised Christ? Is he really the one, or did I get it wrong? Because this doesn't look like what I expected. But Jesus says, the proof of my identity is look at my works. Look at what I have done. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the paralyzed are healed, uh, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus Christ is the expected one. There is no other one that we should look unto except Jesus our Lord. Jesus proved his true identity as the Son of Man and the all-powerful Son of God in healing this man by healing the paralytic man. And look at the reply of what people say. Verse 26 of today's text in chapter 5. 
they were all struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, We have seen remarkable things today. Brothers and sisters, it's not just them. By faith, I hope you can attest that remarkable things have been revealed to you through God's holy word. If you met someone at the airport and they didn't trust who you were, you would have to present identity. Jesus Christ presented his identity. The Son of Man promised in Daniel 7. The glorious, exalted Lord who would rule over all kingdoms and peoples of all nations. But he proved his identity through his miraculous work. Put your faith in this Jesus Christ who has both divine authority and divine power. Again, Jesus has divine authority to forgive sins as he showed in this text. You know he has divine authority to forgive you of your sins. If you confess your sins and you plead for God's grace and mercy and you put your faith in not yourself but in what Jesus Christ has done, you shall be saved. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name under heaven which has been given by which man must be saved. The divine power of Jesus. If you met the Messiah, what else would you expect but the divine authority to forgive sin and the divine power to cleanse from demons, to heal blindness, deafness, paralytics, to heal and raise up even the dead. The works prove his identity. Let's pray together. Our glorious Father, we thank you for this, your word, and we ask that by your Holy Spirit that you would help us to receive and believe that we would confess that there is no other name under heaven which, by which we may be saved except through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us, we pray, to take that great exchange that Jesus Christ has fully paid for our sins and that Jesus Christ has fully obeyed the law perfectly for us. Help us, we pray, to have eternal life through him. For we ask these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, our hymn of dedication, we'll sing 411, Shout for the Blessed Jesus Reigns. Denise, play that through one time first.